Are you ready for this weekend's sports action? Get your adrenaline pumping with the Sports Unlimited Show every Saturday morning from 10 to 11. Great sports talk and discussions. Sports Unlimited, brought to you by Kusanyu FM. DJ DJ Roger was joined by Cheb Khalid to deliver this World Cup anthem, a banger that has got the young, the old, the women, the men, the boys and girls dancing on the streets, in the metro, in the stadiums, in the markets, and in the malls. You can name it. Good morning, Clive Chaze is my name, straight out of Qatar, and this is the Sports Unlimited Show, our last production of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. A grand finale of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 is on tomorrow between two nations that have won the World Cup on two occasions. Argentina, the challengers, are up against France, the defending champions. Lenore Messi, too hungry after losing the final to Germany in 2014 on South American soil, wants to upstage club teammate Kian Mbappe, a man who won the World Cup as a 17-year-old four years ago in Russia. Lionel's colony, we are told by the BBC that he is Argentina's most popular man. He is up against a former water carrier, Didier Deschamps, in the dugouts. That will be March 64 of the first World Cup in the Arab world, in the Middle East, and what the Europeans want to call the Winter World Cup. And what a journey it has been. 62 games have been played so far, two to go. And game 63 is on today as African representatives Morocco do take on Croatia in a third place playoff. Croatia, by the way, a finalist four years ago in Russia, and they are bronze medalists 24 years ago in France, which was their debut appearance at the World Cup. They are taking on a Moroccan side that became the first African team, the first Arab team to qualify for the semifinals of the competition, and now they are on the verge of becoming the first African team to win a medal at the World Cup. Now, Morocco's story has given African teams and the entire continent reason to believe, because they gave us reason to believe that maybe Maybe this time round, an African team can go all the way and win the competition. And that is where we are getting started this edition of the competition because I did engage two African journalists, one from Nigeria, the other from Cameroon, to describe what Morocco's run means to the growth and development of the game on the continent. They've been a shining example to African teams. They've shown African teams that if you believe and with the right strategy, with the right mindsets, anything is possible. Previously, they always thought that African football was far inferior to European football. But at this World Cup, with Spain, with Belgium, Portugal, receiving it from Morocco, certainly you look at it and you say to yourself that at the moment, Morocco has shown that any African team that cannot go as far as the semifinals in this World Cup are just giving excuses that it's possible. If you have a lot of heart, you show a lot of spirit, you show a lot of dedication, then anything is possible. We need to congratulate all of us what Morocco did here. It's a great achievement for the first time. As you said, Africa came out of the semi-final, so it's a great performance because it's 
the first time, and I think Morocco did very well. It's not all close because they still have the possibility to to be third, which is a good ranking, I, I think, for the competition. So as an African, I think we have to congratulate Morocco no more than than that because they did what Africa is supposed or, or was suspected to do since almost 20 years now or 32 years because Cameroon did it the first time uh, to reach the quarter of Kranas in 1990. So we we wait 32 years to, to get uh, to the one step uh, forward. So I think it was we have to congratulate Morocco once again. I also talked to a number of fans and asked them if the World Cup has met their expectations in one way or the other. Definitely. Actually, before the World Cup, there was a lot of negative news surrounding the world because in the international media, because we haven't been here before. So when I come here, I saw the matches and the facilities there uh, they made for the World Cup. It is outstanding. And my colleague, uh, he also like agrees with me because he has been to the Russia World Cup also. This is my first World Cup. The matches are good. The atmosphere were good in the stadiums. The stadiums were outstanding and obviously the, the facilities they uh, built for the World Cup it's also very good. So I'm satisfied uh, over all over the... Mm. And the two teams in the final. Was that your dream final? Or you expected something else? Actually, I, I was expecting a team from Brazil or Argentina. So Argentina is there. So that was expected. From the other side, I was expecting like England because um, I can support England. So they are not, but okay, it's a good final. Not a dream one. Uh, the dream one uh, should be Brazil-Argentina. So, but it's not a dream final, but it's a big final, definitely. Yes, uh, they, this time this competition uh, gone through in different shape. Uh, like uh, there are so many favorite teams. They start with uh, so-called underdog. Uh, that uh, create a uh, great vibe, and I think it's uh, another remarkable uh, competition level in this World Cup. And I, so far, I seen it in this first time. Was it the final you dreamed of? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. As a team of Argentina, I definitely uh, always dreamed of Argentina will uh, win this World Cup this time. And uh, they definitely uh, when when they qualified for the final, that was. Uh, it's a pleasant experience as well as also pleasant happiness for me. And so far, uh, I uh, desire that Argentina will uh, champion this time after 36 years. I mean, there were a lot of one-off surprise matches in the group stages where you had Tunisia beat France. You had, you had a lot of surprise games. Uh, but overall, in the end, you saw the big teams uh, only make it. So France and Argentina are pretty big. But a lot of big teams were also eliminated in the process. But I think that only made it easy for France and Argentina to, to yeah, like, you know, they had easier uh, knockout games, I guess, because of the work of other teams. But it was good. It was a very interesting World Cup. Definitely one of the best. And the team who disappointed me, Brazil. And yesterday, Morocco was playing well. But uh, really, really I, uh, instead of Morocco and France, I hope Morocco to be in the final. But uh, for the Kylian Mbambi, I hope he will win our second World Cup. And for the Messi, the last finalist also, he deserves to get the World Cup. So, uh, so you cannot imagine who will go, who, who will win. If Argentina will win, this is the last World Cup for Messi, so the last match. So it will be fair enough. He can even retire in that time. He don't want to play, no problem. One cup only missing for Messi and otherwise everything he got. It. For the other Kylian Mbambi he just started so for the if he got this second one I'll tell you he'll get the third and fourth Kylian Mbambi will continue I hope yesterday was day before yesterday Argentina against Brazil but Croatia came in the middle <laughs> uh, يعني, believe in Argentina they will reach final from the beginning my expectation it was for Brazil because they have a strong team the team of uh, Africa did well very well 
they they يعني high our expectation. We all support Morocco because this is Africa and this is Arabic country. Well, we are going out for breather, but when we return, I get to sit down with Mark Namanya, a man who is covering his fourth World Cup, and no one else has covered more World Cups than him from the pearl of Africa. With him, we shall be previewing today's bronze medal match, tomorrow's final, but also reviewing the tournament in general. Because without a doubt, Qatar has left a mark. They have left a footprint on football globally. for this weekend's sports action? Get your adrenaline pumping with the Sports Unlimited Show every Saturday morning from 10 to 11. Great sports talk and discussions. Sports Unlimited, brought to you by Usanyu FM. short commercial break you're still listening to the sports uh, unlimited show and yes i'd remind you come your way every saturday morning at 10 to 11 a.m but uh, for the last two weeks and uh, this saturday we've been doing it a little bit different because we've been coming to you direct from qatar the hosts are for the 2022 fifa world cup and uh, to look at uh, the third place playoff that is going to be played today and the final itself that is going to be played tomorrow i am joined by Mark Damania, a former boss at Daily Monitor, a former USPA president, are now working with the Observer. And with them, we are going to be breaking down those two matches, but also uh, to look at the tournament in general. But Mark, good morning good and morning, welcome Ray. on the Sports Unlimited. Uh, thank you, Kwebe. Uh, I don't know the last time you appeared on this show. Uh, <laughs> it's been ages. It's, it's been ages, but uh, very happy to be on Sports Unlimited. Yes, uh, how many World Cups have you covered? This is my fourth World Cup. I was at South Africa 2010, I was at uh, Brazil 2014, Russia 2018, and this is my fourth World Cup, mm-hmm. Canada 2022. So that makes you the Ugandan who has covered the most World Cups, because recently FIFA was uh, awarding or recognizing, FIFA and IPS, they were recognizing uh, journalists who have covered the most World Cup World Cups, and there's that gentleman from Argentina who has covered 18. Well, he's covered 18, and <laughs> I have a long way to go. I was doing the math. And if I'm alive, I would have to to, to uh, well, I would have to pray to God that I make I'm alive and in, in good health in 20, I think 74. And uh, well, uh, that's quite uh, some way to go for me to exactly. emulate him. Uh, but who knows? It's uh, it's it's the God who gives us uh, the life. And uh, if He so wishes, good uh, evening. Uh, I will uh, I will cover as many as I can. Then on, on Thursday afternoon, the FIFA president, uh, Gianni Fantino, uh, in a press conference, he said this was the best World Cup ever. I don't know how many he has been part of, but for somebody who has covered the previous three, and now this is your fourth, where does uh, Qatar 2022 rank for you? I'll tell you uh, that first and foremost, Fantino will always be politically right. He will sound politically right because he's the FIFA president, and uh, uh, he's, uh, he's, not, he's going to say something which... He wants the world to believe, which he wants journalists to, to buy into. So he was never going to say it's the World Cup. For Seb Blatter, when he was at the FIFA boss, every World Cup was the best. 
Don't mm. say the same for 2010. He said the same for 2014. If I didn't say as much for 2018. So, uh, and of course, they see this uh, against uh, the, the backdrop of so much negativity. Mm. There was negativity for 2010 South Africa, 2010 Brazil, uh, 2018 Russia, and there's been as much negativity as I can recall in the World Cup mm. going into Canada 2022. So, um, well, if I was always going to say that, uh, but moving away from him, I think for me this World Cup is the most unique World Cup, mm. uh, as unique a World Cup as I can recall. Uh, one, because from the perspective of a journalist and from the perspective of a fan, this is the one World Cup where I've watched most games. The reason being that it was the World Cup held within one city. Mm-hmm. It's a small country. Uh, most of the games were in Doha. I think the only stadium outside of Doha is, uh, is Alco, Alco uh, where France played Morocco. It's one hour's drive uh, from the Doha city center. But all the other stadiums, Education City, King Khalifa Stadium, the 974, um, Al Stadium, Al Hussein, we were within the proximity of one another. Uh, you could watch games at uh, at six and watch another game at ten. Watch games at one, watch another game at four. Um, because you could take the metro, a very efficient train system. You could do the bus. There were stadium stadium buses for fans, uh, for media. So in that aspect, it made it um, very easy for fans to watch as many games as they could. The ones who got many tickets, and even for me as a journalist. I could get to as many games as possible and have a lot more stories. So on that regard, for me, it's been a fantastic uh, tournament. Unlike, say, Russia, which is such a vast country, you'd have games in Kazan, you'd have games in, uh, in St. Petersburg. Um, in, to put it in context, some games would be happening in Arua, and other games are happening in Mombasa. That's how big Russia is. Uh, if you want to watch games, uh, stadium, stadium, you'd have to fly. In Doha, you'd have to fly in Qatar. Uh, and then secondly, it's been a number of upsets. Uh, ultimately, um, the beat about the World Cup is to come and enjoy games, to enjoy a tournament where nothing is predictable. Um, you've seen the story of Morocco, such a fantastic story uh, for the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You've seen uh, the runs of Japan at this World Cup, another beautiful story. You saw the upsets, uh, Japan upsetting uh, Germany and Spain. No one would have thought that in a group featuring Spain and Japan and, and German, uh, two teams which had won the World Cup in the last uh, four editions, how could Japan top such a group and uh, and, and German fail to run? Brilliant story in Morocco, you saw Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina in the opening game of the qualifiers. So there's been so many upsets, and tournaments are made by such uh, wonderful stories. And, uh, uh, the football has been magnificent, and we've seen some of the very best players coming to the fore. Kylian Mbappe has been explosive for France, scored five goals. Messi has looked as good uh, in Qatar as he's ever been in his career. And um, you've seen Luka Modric, he's still growing um, uh, better with age, like a fine wine. Uh, you've seen um, Hakim Ashraf, uh, the PSG uh, fullback, showing why he's many rating to be uh, the best fullback in world football. So uh, we've seen some. Top, top performances from the very best players, and of course, um, tournaments uh, and tournaments without upsets. Even the Brazil story, <laughs> well, uh, it, Brazil did disappoint so many fans uh, because uh, there's no World Cup without Brazil. And mm-hmm. The neutrals would have wanted to have Brazil proceed uh, to the farthest point they could in the competition, 
But then again, there was something in the way of the but, but that has been the story of Brazil from 2002 when they won their uh, fifth World Cup. Yeah. You look at 2006, still defeated by France, should have been at the quarterfinal round of 16. Yeah. You come to 2010, that died at the quarterfinals. 2014 at their own backyard in, in, in the semi-finals. They, they, they have always uh, been that team that gives people so much hope, but uh, for some reason they fail to live up to the expectations. Uh, which I think is a combination of factors uh, because um, one, like we did say, uh, that gap has narrowed between the halves and the have-nots because you have right now uh, so many players who are playing in so many places in the world. Uh, you have some European players that are playing in the Brazilian league, uh, which is quite amazing. You have... Uh, uh, teams which have many that uh, smaller countries like uh, Uruguay, countries like Croatia, countries which have uh, three or four million people, they've improved their training regimes, they've improved um, the uh, sports science, you know, in all the various federations. I think that the, the, the world has become a, a global village in the true sense of the word. So mm. the, the, yes, the, the, the game has actually, the game has actually, it, it, has, it has transformed uh, to the point where teams have, uh, have belief and long, long gone are the days when Brazil would just emerge at the World Cup and sooner they were to the semi-finals to the finals. They've got to earn their place and uh, as the last couple of tournaments have shown, um, uh, I think uh, Brazil uh, they will forever be you know, the gold standard uh, for world football. But with that sixth World Cup, they're going to have to do <laughs> A lot more than just appear at the tournament yeah. and expect to, to, to walk to the, to, to the latter stages of the competition. Well, you've talked about uh, the upsets and uh, the very many interesting or amazing stories to tell. The story of Morocco, at some point, it got all of us Africans are wishing and dreaming that uh, probably this um, that could be there. And it's the question I've asked so many people. Before the World Cup, uh, probably I think only Brian Kawaria had called for a, a Moroccan surprise. But did you, in your own uh, feelings, uh, think that uh, Morocco would probably put up that show that they have been able to put up? No, I did not. Frankly speaking, I didn't fancy Morocco to qualify from the group which had Croatia and Belgium. I thought Morocco was going to finish third. To actually top it. I, I didn't think of the topics. <laughs> I thought Croatia would be Croatia last year's uh, losing finalists in, in Russia. I thought it would be uh, uh, possibly runners up. I thought Belgium would win it uh, with all the attacking firepower. Never in my mind would I have fancied uh, the, the Moroccans to, to get uh, as far as they did. I thought Senegal would be Africa's best performing country, even without Sadio Mane. Uh, because of the group they were in, I thought of the match uh, out of it alongside uh, Holland, which they did. I didn't fancy uh, Cameroon to qualify a group which had Brazil and uh, Saudi and Switzerland. I also didn't fancy the Ghanaians to come out of a group which had uh, Portugal, Uruguay, and South Korea. So for me, Morocco have not, have not been just the surprise story of African football, they've been the surprise story of the 2020 World Cup. And regardless of what transpires in tomorrow's final, the story of this World Cup is going to be Morocco. The mm -hmm. first African team to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and they got there without conceding a goal, having faced Belgium, Croatia, Portugal, and Spain. You cannot write a better script than that one. What does this mean to African football? I was uh, talking to a Cameroonian colleague of ours and he was telling me Morocco's story is actually telling Africans that there are no more excuses for failure to perform at a big stage like the World Cup. I mean, the Moroccans have, have, have been on a project for a very long mm -hmm. time. Uh, Morocco are blessed with um, organizational leadership. 
Mm. They have uh, a very well-run FA uh, by Afauzi uh, Lecture, only one of the model FAs in African football. They've got tremendous support uh, from the government. The account of which is uh, blessed um, with um, a very booming economy, which has translated into the, the football subsector. They've got fantastic stadia. Uh, they've gone the extra mile of uh, tapping the players, all their players, all the Moroccan players. They have someone who is in charge of looking at the very best Moroccan players in European football who are born in Europe, but they have Moroccan descent. Mm. So, for instance, if Zidane, if Zinedine Zidane had been uh, playing, uh, was Zidane a 16-17-year-old today, he would be playing for Morocco. Remember, Zidane is Algerian, he's Algerian mm. descent. So that is how a player like Hakimi Ashraf is playing for Morocco. He was born in Spain, speaks fluent Spanish. Uh, born in Getafe, what is it happening for for, for, for for the Spanish national team? Yeah, that's qualify to play for the Spanish national team. So Morocco have uh, various players of that nature whom they they fixed from uh, uh, all the countries that Iberian Peninsula and uh, nationalized them. And obviously, when you have players who've grown up in the um, sophisticated uh, footballing cultures, like the ones which are in Spain, uh, which are in Belgium, which are in Netherlands, and then you. Jail them with the best yeah. players from my dad, like uh, their fullback um, Atiatala. You're going to get uh, a, a very, very superb, talented unit like uh, the one they've shown. And then again, the one other aspect which I actually I liked about this World Cup and uh, Morocco did um, exemplify it was interesting. Uh, a domestic coach, while the was appointed just a couple of months to the tournament. And he's done a fabulous job. There's this notion, there's this stereotype of thinking that African coaches cannot do the job. But I think he did fantastic. Even Ghana, much as Otto Ado did, did design, I thought he did uh, fairly well as well. Otto Ado just hadn't been appointed. Um, he had actually said job. that the World Cup was uh, his last assignment yeah. because he could not just uh, let go of his job at Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. So Africa, for a long time, we've had this mentality of thinking that we could not have coaches who can crack it at the highest level but most of these coaches have uh, um, the top yeah, but, but Ma, I, I don't think it's an issue of uh, not having coaches I think we do have the old coaches the issue is not supporting them and giving them the freedom and the support they need to go out there to their job. yeah which which is a problem which we felt come around uh, because uh, uh, the <laughs> president there is is has been such a uh, uh, an, an interruptive influence mm. in the team. He's a legend of African football, make no mistake about it. But as the FA president of Cameroon, his job uh, description uh, has got nothing to do with technical matters. I think he needs to understand that I'm a the FA president mm. and I'm not a the footballer. But to come at every training session and you're standing there and you're uh, basically contradicting or interfering with the work of uh, and that is only some of the things we see but there are those that yeah, we don't yeah, get to see but they have it exactly. the information I get from a couple of community journalists is that it wasn't for uh, they, I think they had reconciled the Rigobert song uh, the goalkeeper Onana but Eto, Eto uh, reigned over him and said Onana should leave uh, mm. and they have, they have a history Onana and Eto so uh, we've we've had so many uh, long-standing uh, administrative wrangles as Afri- in African football. Remember in 2014 uh, when it came to the point the Ghana camp when they refused to play I think against uh, was it Portugal? If I if my memory serves me right, and their last group game and man, their bonuses are had to be wired. Until money had to be flown to Brazil in a presidential jet. I mean some of those very despicable stories. 
uh, which you're not going to hear with in the, with the Maghreb mm. nations. The same story with Togo in 2006 in Germany. It's something which is very prevalent with the sub-Saharan nations. You won't hear such similar stories with the Maghreb regions. And uh, for me, Morocco was a team which was united. Um, they focused, they, 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 they did the job, they fought for one another. And in the aftermath of the game, uh, their coach, Walid Legabri, said that actually Morocco had punched above their weight because they had so many, they were limping, li- li- literally. Many of their players were 60-70%, they had so many injuries, but they never wanted to make all these excuses prior to the game because uh, they had a job to do. And they competed very well against France. I thought they didn't disgrace themselves. Uh, they matched France for 90 minutes and actually they bossed uh, the game t- t- territorially. So, um, I mean, Morocco has been the story of, of this competition and Faust's lecture, the FA president, I think, uh, deserves to tap himself on the back. He's done a fabulous job. And there are many things he's done beyond what we've seen with Morocco at, at the World Cup. And I think uh, Morocco's success is validation uh, to the kind of job uh, Faust's lecture has done in, 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 in Moroccan yeah, Actually, when you earlier on talked about uh, their organization in, ad- in administration, uh, the support that they do get from the government and all that, you reminded me when countries were bidding to host uh, the 2026 World Cup, which is a World Cup of 48 teams, Morocco was up against a, a joint bid by the USA, Mexico, and Canada. Three countries that probably have everything that uh, they would need to even host the World Cup as a single nation, but Morocco was up there against them as a single nation. And it's not the first a single African nation and ready to host 48, Afri- uh, 48 teams for the World Morocco Cup. Is not the first, it's not the first time they're bidding host for the World Cup, by the way. Uh, I think they've just failed to track mm. the fair point it's, uh, very, very well because... They're also in contention, North Africa was bidding host. No, but I mean, for this one, when everyone thinks it is going to be hard to host a World Cup as a yes. single nation again because yes. they are for the 18s, Morocco told, showed the world that we were actually I mean, ready to do this. I mean, if you've been to Morocco, I've been, I've been lucky enough to go to Morocco. I was in Marrakesh, I've been to Casablanca. They have fantastic stadiums. Uh, they, have, uh, they have facilities which can host any competition in the world. Uh, Morocco are that uh, determined, they understand uh, the power of sport. Uh, they invested in infrastructure. They have a tremendous train service. They have an excellent road network. Uh, they've got a football studio. They've got a football culture. And Morocco, I think sooner rather than later, sooner rather than later, Morocco will be hosting one of these big events. I think they've already been picked to host next year's uh, club World Cup. Yeah. Uh, and that is testament to their um, uh, ability to host the world's biggest events. So. Uh, it is it is amazing what, 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 what they've done. And they've got a football culture which stretches across the country. If you go to Tangia, if you go to Fes, go to Rabat, go to Casablanca, go to Marrakesh, uh, they've got all these magnificent um, uh, sporting advices. And believe you me, it's a question of, of when, not mm. if. Well, Morocco <laughs> trust, uh, a, a footballing, a major footballing competition. Mm. They took on uh, Croatia today for that bronze uh, medal. Of course, the Croatia won it in 1998. You know, being that the uh, four years ago in Russia, they were silver medals. Uh, but uh, I mean, it is the icing on the cake. Morocco uh, can uh, put on this uh, Italian campaign of theirs. Yes, I mean, I, I, I think Morocco can go all the way and, and win this game, finish third. And what an achievement that would be with the younger side. Um, I think I, I thought uh, Croatia uh, were unlikely to concede that penalty against Argentina, um, it was, uh, I felt uh, that, that on, any, on any other day, probably that would not have been given. 
Uh, changed things, but ultimately, uh, the age is to get old. You saw Luka Modric, 37 years, uh, coming out of that game. The Moroccans are younger. I've loved their, their midfield. Excellent uh, young midfielder in Azadin Onwahi. Uh, Sofian Amrabat, who for me is up there with the players of this tournament. Uh, you've seen that wonderful uh, defense of Hakimi, of uh, Eliamik. Uh, I don't think Saiz will be fit for this game. They'll probably go with uh, um, Agued. Uh, he's uh, standing uh, uh, the centre-back and Atiatala. They're a, a good team, a young team, they're mobile, and they're just going to enjoy the game. The bit about that first playoff game is that you play without tension. Uh, it's a kind of game, if there's any game you can lose, that first playoff game really. It's just a, a playoff game. Uh, so. I don't expect to, I don't expect them to be tense. I don't expect them to be as cautious. I think both both teams will play a free flowing game. Start best playoff games usually have loads of goals in them. I expect to see a couple of goals, and um, I think um, the, the cross have the experience, but Morocco are, are brimming with enthusiasm. So I think they have a chance. They have a chance in this game to become the first African team ever uh, to finish third at the World Cup, mm. and what a story. That would be as well. Well, Mark, the big one is on tomorrow at the Osel Stadium at 6 p.m. where Argentina playing their sixth final. Uh, they are faster since uh, 2014 when they lost uh, that final in Brazil uh, to, to Germany against the defending champions of France uh, who are trying to become the first nation in 60 years to win the World Cup back-to-back. Didier Deschamps is trying to become only the second man in history uh, to win the World Cup back-to-back as a coach uh, since uh, 1938 uh, when an Italian uh, did it. Uh, Lionel Messi, as Cameron said, is playing in his uh, last World Cup match, potentially his last match uh, for Argentina. You would say there is a lot at stake, but uh, even those cheering on France, or you would say the bigger part of the world, but you would want to see Lionel Messi lift uh, the World Cup at the end of the 19 minutes, or even uh, sport kicks. Is this the dream final we would have uh, wanted to see? I, I think it's the dream final, uh, considering how the draw was meant, uh, because the actual dream final have been in Brazil. Which we've never had in World Cup history. Uh, never had in World Cup history. <laughs> the two teams were supposed to meet in the semi-finals, but uh, Croatia uh, did uh, put an end to that. Uh, I think it's a dream final because both sides are on different paths. Argentina, well, France are the, are the holders, defending champions. At times, they look like the world champions they are. Then Argentina have Messi. Argentina's story has been Messi. Uh, Messi has had an impact in each and every game Argentina has played uh, in this World Cup. He's either been scoring or creating the chances uh, for France. I think France is the deeper team, if you ask me. Uh, they've got um, more ways to hurt you. Uh, they can sit back and, hit and punish you with the pace of Kylian Mbappe. Uh, they can uh, attack you um, through uh, the creativity of uh, Osman Dembele, uh, Antoine Griezmann and the world goals in Olivier Giroud. So France, I think, are the better team going to the final. Argentina just have the best player of the competition and someone who probably has a bet with destiny. So there will be a, it will be an interesting game. Um, the, the, sort of, the sort of games, the sort of game which could potentially go on twenty minutes. Uh, for all the attacking uh, talent that both teams have, mm-hmm. I expect actually a very keggy final mm-hmm. uh, because finals are won on very small details and uh, I don't think either side will be the first one to make a mistake. You think goals in matches and the first goal in such a game uh, it does swing the pendulum uh, in, in the way the match is going to pan out and 
on the on paper it's a classic final, uh, but I don't think they're going to see classic football because players are not coming to deliver a classic contest. They're coming mm-hmm. to deliver trophy. I'm very sure each player on the other side would rather engage in a boring contest as long as there's a guarantee of him uh, holding a lot of uh, World Cup trophy. So um, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking at the classic. I'm looking at a game which is going to be played like a chess game, uh, where there will be a lot of detail, a lot of. Uh, a lot of cakiness, a lot of um, uh, you know um, teams which are which are be, be bordering on caution in the way in which they'll be approaching the game. So uh, I think France's first tactic will just be to sit back and then rely on the, on the counter of Mbappe. Uh, For Argentina, it's just about Messi. If France stop Messi, they're probably going to stop Argentina. If they can't stop Messi, uh, and then uh, they will be punished as, as the Dutch found out. As the cross found out. Well, you're, you're one of the millions of people out there who badly want to see Messi win the World Cup. Uh, I remember d- during uh, the quarterfinal with the Dutch, I was asking something uh, from you, and I remember you sent me a message and told me, Pressure, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it Why is it so important well, for, for me, you know, Messi for me, to win the World Cup? It's like me, everyone wants to win Messi the World Cup. Messi is the best footballer I ever saw, and I've, I've been privileged enough to watch Messi in more than 22 matches live. I've watched Messi playing for Barcelona a couple of times. I've watched Messi playing for Argentina in the last four World Cups. I've actually only missed watching Messi in Germany because I didn't go to Germany to his first World Cup. And he, I think he only played one or two games as a substitute. So I've seen Messi at the peak of his powers and he's done incredible things. He's a work of art. Mm, you watched him demolish United at that I, final I watched, I watched him demolish United at <laughs> Wembley and United just couldn't live up with him. I don't think people Messi retired just from the park. So he's, uh, he's, he's, I, I, I don't go into comparisons because sometimes I feel it's unfair to compare mm. generations. Uh, but in his time, at the peak of his powers, uh, there's never been anything like Messi in the period I watched football. And uh, I think the only, if it would be, it would be a travesty if, 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 if Messi's career is judged on him never having won one World Cup trophy. He's done everything else. He's won each and every trophy there is. He's reached into World Cup final before, uh, which he didn't win because Gonzalo Higuain decided to miss a um, couple of chances at the Maracanã against Brazil. But I think for me, uh, Messi's career is deserving of the FIFA World Cup trophy. And uh, it is the sole reason why um, I, I, I want Argentina. I, would, I want Messi to lift the World Cup and even Argentina because of the sort of career he's had, the sort of joy uh, that he's brought to the beautiful game. Uh, you know, that God-given talent, that, ab- that ability, you know, to to, 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 to to take the game by the scruff of the neck, uh, to do all the things he's done. He's, he's what people forget. Messi has scored so many goals for someone who's not a center forward. He's not a striker, I'm not a striker, but he's scored lots of goals. He's created so many goals. And he's been, he's been you watch Messi and you're watching um, uh, art in motion, you're watching poetry in motion. And that is why I, I, I would want Messi to prevail. But I mean, if he doesn't, uh, then the French will, will, will be world winners because the World Cup trophies are not given. Exactly. I, I was listening to Patrice Evra the, the other day, and um, he was saying uh, what makes Argentina dangerous, first of all, was the Messi factor. But he also said, you look at the Argentinian team, 
and they are willing to go the extreme. They are willing to eat that dirt. They are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that Messi wins the World Cup. So for him, is like he's looking at the body languages of these players, and it's like we don't, we are not doing this for Argentina, but we want to do it for one of us. Much as, of course, at the end of the day, this Argentina wins the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, because you got to remember that um, Messi's career with Argentina has not always been um, rosy. This is a guy who left Argentina as a kid. He left Argentina at the age of 12 or 13. So he didn't play with Boca Juniors. He didn't play with River Plate. And for a long time, he was not seen as one of their own. He was seen as a foreigner. Mm. Diego Maradona played for Boca Juniors. He, he, was, he grew up in, in the shattered streets of Buenos Aires. So he identified with Argentina. They saw him in the league. When he made uh, that World record transfer to Barcelona in 1982, uh, he had already done wonders in Argentina and he'd seen him and he had, uh, uh, that, and even when he finished his career, Madonna went back to play uh, for uh, Boca Juniors and World Old Boys. So uh, Messi was always seen as someone who was not Argentine. He was seen as someone who grew up in Spanish. He wanted to play for Argentina when they were national team. Members. He never had the effect with the national team absolutely. like Maradona uh, did. Absolutely. In the but right now, having watched Argentina over the years and he's now the record goal scorer, he's won. Uh, I think he's on 95 or 96 goals. He's uh, won the Copa America with Argentina finally. He's won the Olympic title with Nigeria. They've, over time, they've come to embrace the notion, the idea that this guy is, is now one of us. He's, uh, he's a legend and uh, uh, he's the best thing we have and we need him to win the World Cup. Without yeah, him, but also with the national team, you get this thing that he has actually won everything apart from the World Cup. The Copa America, the Finalasma, you have the Olympic gold, he's, he's under 20. He's done everything. He's done everything. Messi has done just about everything. It's only the World Cup missing from his, from, from his CV. And uh, the sort of career he's had uh, deserves a World Cup trophy. But like I said, World Cup trophies are earned. They're not given. So Messi must uh, win it tomorrow. Uh, short of it. Uh, if he doesn't, then, I mean, uh, there's history at stake. And <laughs> France uh, will make history by becoming the first team in 60 years to, mm-hmm. to defend it. And if France win it, there will be, there will be other winners. Remember, France don't have Ngolo Kante, they don't have Paul Pogba, uh, they don't have Karim Benzema, they don't have Nkuku, uh, they've had to make it without all these key players. The only team which would go this far without such key players is France because of the depth of talent. I give you the chance to dispose Those guys in Golo Kante was the best French player for me at the last World Cup. Mm. Uh, Paul Pogba was in Croatia, scored in the final against Croatia. But somehow, uh, they've reached this far without him. And uh, I mean, France are, 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 are frightening, mm. it's, it's, it's going to be said. By the way, this French team, first of all, it's a, this is a competition where every team is required to submit 26 players. France decided they will submit 25. They got a few injuries here and there. They replaced those who got injured. Karim Benzema got injured. They refused to, to, to replace him because they had the option to replace him before the tournament started. He's already now fit, uh, training with Real Madrid, but uh, we are getting reports that uh, he will be by his back in Qatar uh, for, for the final tomorrow. There are reports that I would be given a chance to play. Whether he's given a chance to play or not, but the fact that for me they retained him in a team, is it... Is uh, DJ Deschamps trying to reward him for also a career? He has had as a football because if they get to win the World Cup, the fact that he's part of the squad, he is a world champion. Yeah, remember, there's a history because for a long time, uh, Karim Benzema was in exile uh, with the French team uh, after uh, that um, scandal for which he was cleared uh, with uh, uh, his uh, uh, former team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so 
Benzema didn't, didn't, didn't take part, you know, in the 2018 World Cup. I think had he been had taken part, there's no way Giroud would have led, led, led the line for France in all those games. Remember, Giroud won the World Cup without scoring a single goal. Mm. In fairness to him, he's... But always getting playing time. He's getting playing time. He scored the goals in, in, in this World Cup. He didn't score, score them then. And I think uh, part of uh, the shy is, I think, he feels a bit indebted to the player. Uh, and I mean, Gazelle right now is the Ballon d'Or winner. He's had such a fantastic mm. uh, run of home with, 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 with uh, Real Madrid. So, uh, I mean, the guy has been in exile. Possibly in his planning uh, for the game and uh, in his preparation, he thinks uh, he should he should what uh, Benzema would otherwise have played. Had uh, been setting France's games at the World Cup if it wasn't for the injury to up just for the World Cup. So. I may be excited to keep him there and God knows, who knows, if they win the World Cup tomorrow, he'll be the World Cup winner and I think Benzema has, uh, has had the, the sort of form over the last one, two years uh, to merit the World Championship, mm-hmm. especially considering that he missed out on the, on the, on the, on the World Cup winner in Russia. Then there's also that small detail. Yes, we have did at the champ, Mario Zagaro, France backing by winning the World Cup as players and also as coaches. I don't think we've had uh, a father-son World Cup combo. You have uh, Leon Trump winning the World Cup 24 years ago in France on home sale. His son is in this current squad and he's on the verge of being a world well, champion. A what a story that, that would that, be. That would be, be, be quite a story. That would be quite a story. And remember, his son was, uh, was a teammate. Uh, so his, his Turam's son, uh, Turam was a teammate of Leon Trump. Yes. Uh, at France 98. Turam, of course, scored those two goals which were out Croatia in the semifinals. In the semifinals. Uh, but that, 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 I mean, that, that, that would be a story, a uh, fabulous story. Uh, and, and I've seen Turam at the French games in the VIP here in Qatar. I think he will be there in the stadium, obviously, tomorrow. And, well, what, what a story. I don't expect Marcus Turam to, <laughs> to, to, to feature. Possibly if he does. He has been having a few appearances at the South. I know he came off the bench against, against Croatia. He'll be on the fringes, but... Well, I actually yeah. thought he had scored against Croatia. I had to double check first. <laughs> it was Colomani who scored the goal. Yes. But France is deep. Uh, the French team is deep. Uh, the curious thing, though, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure with that, that midfield. I think because of the pace of Mbappe, yeah. many times I think Desha, um, I think he trusts uh, France's capacity to punish teams on the counter attack uh, because of the passing of Griezmann, the pace of Dembele, and the pace of, uh, the pace of, 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 of Mbappe. But France have looked a bit porous in midfield. I thought England actually bossed the midfield in, in that game. France were just clinical. Uh, if they employ if, if a similar tactic against Argentina tomorrow, I don't know if it will be rewarding because uh, you've got to be very, very tight on Messi. Messi is the sort of player who will hurt you in the blink of an eye as he did against uh, the Dutch. Uh, you think for five, six minutes, he's out of the game, he's pedestrian, and, and then he gets the ball and boom. In one blink of an eye, he's picked out uh, the, his teammate Molina and the editor are leading one name. So I think Eshwamani uh, has got to be on top of his game. I don't know if Adrian Rabio is going to be fit. If he's not, uh, possibly Fofana uh, will be alongside him in, in central midfield tomorrow. Uh, but they'll have their fingers full. Uh, they'll have their hands full trying to stop um, one of the greatest players that ever lived. Mark, as I let you go, uh, your prediction. Wow, wow. <laughs> what a tough one. What a tough one. Oh my goodness. I'm going for a 1 1 scoreline in full time. Mm. I think the game will go to penalties. 
and there. Uh, I think they're going to get penalties, and I'm going to go for the Argentines in penalties. One one, I did not win via sports. Then, as uh, we leave this beautiful country, what are some of the memories that you're going to take out to power with? Uh, I think one, uh, it's been a fantastic uh, tournament. After all that was said and done, uh, Qatar have delivered. The people have been hospitable. The stadiums have been very good. I loved uh, uh, Azure Stadium, uh, fantastic stadium. Um, I liked um, I liked Sail uh, Stadium, uh, the Qatar National Convention Center where we've been, we've been, we've been working as the appointed is a work of art. Um, I think um, the, I think for me the World Cup has shown that, and I'm a journalist and I hate to say this, but sometimes we are we are very big, we do a very big disservice to the world because the Western press wrote predictions so much doom and gloom uh, for this World Cup, like they did for Brazil and the Zika virus and the dengue fever, they did in South Africa, but. All of that has been present, has, has, has not dampened the spirits of, of, of all the fans. Um, issues to LGBT, I mean, if people want to do their LGBT stuff, uh, they can. The World Cup is not the place to come and promote uh, such agendas. We came for football, we enjoyed the football. Mm. So, um, but the most overriding thing is that I could watch as many games as I wanted because of this being a one city world cup for me it's been magnificent and uh, it will take it will I, I probably possibly in our lifetime we'll never have such a world cup because the next world cup is for eight countries this one is better too in one city has been uh, spectacular mm. but the lasting memory for me too last memories which will forever define for me the 2020 world cup the argentine fans there's nothing like them the fans of Argentina, they cheer games from start to finish. They have a billion songs. They do not sit. <laughs> I shall imagine how they'll be behaving if they're intoxicated. Because they, By do, way, they, that do, they do create a sensation like, like you've never seen before. Second, not far behind them have been the Moroccans. Yeah. Against Belgium, they simply blew the roof of um, uh, the stadium. Against Portugal, against... Uh, Spain, they were magnificent. Even against France, when they were beaten. So for me, the Argentines and the Moroccan fans have been have, have been special, and uh, those two will be for me forever the lasting memories of this World Cup. Well, that's all the time we had for you today on the Sports Unlimited show. And uh, just like Mark, uh, I hope Argentina gets uh, to win the World Cup. We would love to see the Nomes to win the World Cup. Uh, we are tired of uh, listening to the stories of Diego Maradona doing it in 86. <laughs> we want to be able to tell the stories 30 years from now, yeah. how a little magician from Argentina was able uh, to go out there and uh, deliver his team with the final of the World Cup and eventually get lifted because he has had such an industrious career. But also if France gets to win it by the way like we've uh, alluded here there are so many stories that can be written home there are so many stories that will be written forever in the history of uh, the fifa world cup but we we'll leave you in the safe hands of uh, dj mose because it is time for the hits replay and yes i will be back with the daily sports updates uh, next week at uh, 7 30 in the morning 4 30 in the afternoon and 5 p.m in uganda clive chese is my name straight from qatar have a blessed weekend
Are you ready for this weekend's sports action? Get your adrenaline pumping with the Sports Unlimited Show every Saturday morning from 10 to 11. Great sports talk and discussions. Sports Unlimited, brought to you by Sanu FM.